In your copy of God's Word, would you please turn to Galatians chapter 3. As we sing that song, I pray that we're not just singing with our lips, but our hearts have that same desire where it's, Spirit, lead me where my faith is without borders. Help me be uncomfortable. Father, whatever you're willing to do, help me follow you. In a season of where it feels like if I begin to take another step of faith, I'm going to be embarded by waves and I'll drown. That's where we need to be because it's there that our faith in the Lord increases. Um, such a privilege that it is to be led by our students tonight. If you notice the Lord's Supper table isn't here, the pulpit isn't here, that's because our youth choir is going to be leading us in service tonight. And so I would strongly encourage you, I'm not asking you to come, I'm encouraging you to come. One of those things that like, please come tonight just to love on our youth and um, Luke Alsup is going to be handling Luke 5, sorry, John 5. It's going to be such a blessing to hear the word of God preached by our youth. And, and let me just tell you, talking about us understanding how God is working. Most churches, I would say well over 50%, don't have leaders that are willing to lead teenagers most churches don't have teenagers inside their congregation most churches don't have teenagers encouraging other teenagers in their faith and that's what we have tonight and so praise god for that would you just by show of hands just give our youth a round of applause for their faithfulness and their obedience to god hey that's really scary that's really, really scary, and, and may they also challenge us to have that kind of faith and that kind of leadership among our peers. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 through 29 is where we're going to be, and just a little bit of context from previous weeks. If you've missed our study in Galatians, we're going verse by verse through the book, finishing chapter 3 today, and there's this conversation where Paul's writing to believers who have poor theology because there have been pastors and leaders inside of the church that have distorted the gospel. They've said, hey, in order for you to become a Christian, you got to uh, convert first to our denomination. You first have to be a Jew, and you got to act like a Jew. You got to do what Jewish people believe. And Paul is encouraging them and reminding them that our denomination does not save us. The law does not save us. It is Christ who saves us. And so if there would be an unbeliever that would come into our congregation, may us not first uh, bombard them with the rules of our faith. May us encourage them with the love and the grace of Christ. And once they understand Christ, there's going to be this change of conversation in the book of Galatians where uh, the first three chapters, it's, hey, 
this is what how you become a Christian. And then the next chapters following is now that you are a Christian, even though the law didn't save you, we must abide in the law. Now, uh, if you don't know, Amanda, my wife, is in Atlanta, Georgia, caring for my sister, who is a high-risk pregnancy. And so on Monday morning, she'll go in for a scheduled C-section. And then my wife will watch babysit the, uh, the two-year-old nephew that I have. But that means that I am at home with two boys. Okay, so the craziness of this morning, the craziness of this week and next week, uh, I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. But in Galatians chapter 3, we're going to see this word guardian. Everyone say guardian. Guardian. This was a position in Rome, in the Roman culture, in the Roman heritage, and it would be like a babysitter. Now, if I told you I was babysitting my kids, some of you guys would be like, oh, yeah, I understand. And other of you would yell at me, and you're like, you're not babysitting. You're the dad. You got to just be a dad, right? But I'll say being a dad when mom is present is a lot easier, right? It's mom's getting on to the kids, and you yell, hey, listen to your mom. But now we have to get on to the kids. I have to get on to the kids, and... Paul's going to use this illustration of a guardian, which in their culture would have been a really, really strict babysitter or a really strict nanny or whatever. And he says, the law is our guardian. The law is our babysitter. Okay? The law is here for us to understand. The law came from the parents. The babysitter was entrusted by the parents. You guys tracking with me? And just because we now have our parent that's coming home or heavenly father that's coming home through faith in him doesn't mean that we don't need to follow the law okay let's pray and we'll study this text together father this morning we pray that you would overwhelm us with your spirit father that we would not just be full of rules that we put on one another but father we would share the same grace with them that you've shared with us and because we have that grace we pray that we wouldn't abuse it father i pray that we wouldn't have cheap grace where just because you're going to forgive us we would break the law we would break the rules but father help us delight in your law all god's people said Amen. Start reading with me, verse 21 through 22. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In verses 21 and verse 22, we see that the law is chains. It's like the bark collar on my dog. Like you, when you begin to bark, there's going to be a shock after. 
words, okay? If you have the idea of maybe one of those leashes where if they go past a little bit too soon or if they go too far from where they're supposed to be, the electronic fence, you know what I'm talking about? We guide the dog back. It says this is what the law is. The law is chains. The law is guiding us. The law is guiding uh, our path. It doesn't save us, but it's important. And in fact, Paul's teaching us through this text, if we don't follow the law, then we're not following Christ. If we don't listen to the babysitter, then when our parents get home, we're going to be in trouble. Right? Now, our babysitter is not our relative. Well, let's just say for illustration's sake. But when our parents come home, they're not going to say, hey, I'm glad that you didn't follow the babysitter. I'm home now, so you don't have to follow the rules anymore. No, the rules that the babysitter put in place, the rules of the law are from our Heavenly Father. The rules of that a babysitter's following of what time to go to bed, what time they can eat, what they can't eat, what they can't. All that stuff is from the parents. And so in verse 21, he says, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Or maybe your translation says, is it against the promises of God? Or is it opposed to the promise of God? Last time, uh, last week, we talked about how the law or the promise that we have is not voided out by the law. And the likewise is true. If the promise isn't voided out by the law, does that promise void out the law? Does us following Christ and having faith in Christ mean that we don't have to follow the law? Paul says, certainly not. He says, that's foolish for us to even think that we don't have to follow the rules of God because God is here. Certainly not. It's this idea of cheap grace. It's this idea of I can do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me. Is he going to forgive us? Absolutely. But if we're in a relationship with God, this is, this is how you know if you're a Christian. Right here. Here's how you know if you're a Christian. When you sin, is there conviction? When you sin, is there an overwhelming pull back to God? Or are you just okay with that? Hey, I can sin. That's fine. I'm happy in my sin. I'm okay with my sin. If that is your life, then that means you are not a Christian because we have put on Christ. We have a relationship with Christ. We have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And so when we wander off of the path that God has for us, we are always constantly tugged back by it be chain or whatever metaphor you want to use back to the will of God. Mom and dad don't have different rules, right? It, it, maybe your kids do this. If mom, you know mom's going to say no, you go ask dad. Or if you know dad's going to say no, you go ask mom. What Paul's encouraging us and reminding us of here is the law and Jesus are the same. Jesus is not coming so we no longer have to follow the law. He's come to fulfill the law so we're no longer in chains to it. As verse 22 says, we've been imprisoned. Everything under the law have been imprisoned under sin. 
Anyone have a, just by show of hands, have a different translation that says a different word besides imprisoned there? Anyone say shut up? I believe it's King James. I, I might be wrong. It says, hey, the law shuts us up. It tells us we have no ground to speak. Before a holy God, the law, as it convicts us, as it reveals sin in us, we have nothing that we can say. We're caught in our sin. We know that we've broken the law. We know that we've broken the law of God. And we have no right standing at all. And so we're imprisoned to it. We're shut up to it. We're simply there. Maybe if you read your Bible once a week that's awesome man but i would guess that there's a pull in your heart for more of god maybe you read your bible a couple times a week and, and you have this idea of i just i i just want to read more i want to study god's word more there's this pull towards god maybe you read your bible every single day and you're still going to have this pull if you have the Holy Spirit in you of I'm not doing enough. I'm not understanding what this is enough. You just crave more of the word of God. The same is true as we understand the law, as we understand what the Holy Scriptures is. We're more and more and more aware of our sin. I don't know about you, but as I mature in my faith, I'm more convicted of my sin. Things that I didn't even know that I struggled with, I'm now able to identify as I get closer to the Lord. It's pursuing holiness because Christ is holy. At the end of verse 22, it says, so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. He's talking primarily to a Jewish congregation who is not letting Gentiles in. I want to put it in layman's terms. He's talking to a religious congregation that's not letting unbelievers and unreligious people into the sanctuary, into the household of faith. says, you can't be a Christian. And so he uses this word might again. He says, if we follow the law, then our children might come to a relationship with Jesus. If we follow the law, our co-workers might come into a relationship with Jesus. If we share the gospel, if the first thing isn't, uh, hey, man, you've got to dress a certain way, you've got to act a certain way, you've got to stop doing this, you've got to stop, a list of rules for people to follow, they probably won't come and, and find and experience the love of God. He says, but if you do the law and you abide in Christ and, and Jesus is what we're sharing with them, then they might come to salvation. They're literally kicking out the Gentiles of their church because they're not willing to be circumcised as custom to Jewish law. It says, who are you to tell those people that they can't have Jesus because they don't follow a list of rules? The list of rules does not save us. It is Jesus who saves us. Amen?
The law was given to bring men under sin to the point of saying, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? As we get closer to the law, we understand more and more of our sin and our need for Jesus. And so we await in chains, imprisoned, shut up, have nothing that we can even say, and we wait for the coming faith. Verse 23, as I read it. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. He says, you were given a babysitter, the law. We talked about this last week. The whole purpose of the law is because of how wicked we are. There has to be some sort of restraints so we don't make this place a mess. And it's, it's a mess because people aren't following the law. But there's this preservance until Christ return. And so we await on the fulfillment of Christ. We await on the fulfillment of the promise for him to come and rescue us from this world. And so who are we to put our faith in this world? Who are we to put our hope in, whether it's the laws or the material possessions of this world? Trying to have temporary satisfaction and forgetting all of eternity. It says, before faith, before we had Jesus, before we had a relationship with Jesus, before we came into the understanding of who Jesus was and what he did for us by dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins, before that, we were held captive under the law. We were imprisoned to the law. And so the purpose of the law is to reveal and convict men of sin. My prayer is that you are convicted of your sin as you study God's word. That you just don't read this and see how it applies to your daily life and how you can uh, learn more about what this is. But this word changes us. This word guides us and directs us. There's a popular inappropriate hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is just the study of the Bible. And it's called Jesus. I am fearful. that the majority of preachers today, the majority of pastors today, preach the word in Jesus text. And they make it all about you. And they make it all about you. And they make it all about themselves. The Bible isn't about us. It was written for us. But the Bible is about him. Our faith is about him. It's him who saves us. It's him who gets the glory. Maybe you've attended church your whole life. <clears throat> Maybe you serve on a committee. Maybe you grew up in church and you walked an aisle or you prayed a prayer when you were younger. None of those things save you. But pastor, I, I walked the aisle and I prayed the prayer. It doesn't save you. Jesus saves us. 
Our faith in him saves us. Billy Graham is, he's maybe one of the most influential and widely known evangelists. Gave us a very discouraging statistic. And he said that, I'm not saying this is true about our church. This is what Billy Graham said. Don't shoot me, okay? He said 80% of people inside of the church, maybe they're a church member, maybe they're whatever, maybe they grew up in church. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They have a relationship with religion. They don't understand that it's Jesus who saved them, and so they continue to do more and do more and do more and do more in their own power. Now, I'm not asking you to question your salvation this morning. If, if you're secure, if you're convicted of your sin as you read the Bible, if you're not okay with your sin, then you're a Christian. But if you're okay with sin, if you're okay with being separate from the body of Christ, if God is not your main priority, maybe you're not a Christian. In fact, as we look at the statistics of church attendance over COVID, over everything I shared with you in recent weeks, that according to the Southern Baptist Convention, a church member attends church once a month. A good, active church member. How could we have a relationship with God and never come to the table to eat? How can you claim to have a relationship with God and never, never gather at the table to eat from the word of God? Same is true with your relationship with your spouse. If you never sit down with them and you never talk with them, then your relationship may be very superficial. Jesus gives an illustration to pastors to church leaders standing before the gates of heaven and hell and they're confused because they're not able to grant entry into the kingdom didn't i preach about you didn't i share the gospel with people didn't i cast out demons in your name didn't i do all this for you what's he going to say Depart from me because I never knew you. I'm not asking you this morning if you know Christ. Even the devil knows Christ. Even the devil shudders at the glory of Christ. I'm asking you this morning if God knows you. Think about your favorite singer. Your favorite athlete, your favorite, favorite actor. And as they're walking down the red carpet, you begin to wave at them. You're like, hey, what's up, man? I know you. I memorized your songs. I memorized your scripture. I memorized all this, man. I always hung out with you. I went to every single concert that you had. 
And they're going to continue walking. And they're going to be like, who is that weirdo? Because he doesn't know them. We can know Christ without him knowing us. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a Christian? Read with me in verses 24 through 29. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Remember what this word guardian means. It would have uh, resonated with them as a strict Roman nanny who's there. And he says, the law was our guardian, but Christ has come to adopt us into his family. In fact, as we transition in a couple of weeks to Galatians chapter four, we're going to see that we are sons and daughters of Christ. And so we get his inheritance because we are adopted into his family. Maybe your translation doesn't say guardian, it says tutor. As Christians, we need to continue to be tutored by the law. We all do. When I was pastoring in Sherman, Texas, there would be a parent that would always come to church and he would sit in our foyer. And he wanted his kids, he would say, he wanted his kids to know who Christ was. And so he'd bring them to church and I finally sat down. I wasn't responsible for teaching or anything. I'd just go in between different classes. And I sat down with this individual and I said, so why don't you go to Sunday school? You're, you're here, you know, there's a class for you. He says, because I've already heard all the stories. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can read the same text a hundred times and the Lord is going to reveal something different. May we allow the word of God. The word of God does not change its message. Okay, so it's not, hey, all of a sudden I'm able to uh, figure out what this was talking about or whatever. It's no, as we mature in our faith, we're better able to understand the word of God. Everyone this morning is going to get something different that they can apply to their life this week through this text. Even though it's the same exact text, the same exact message, because we're at different points in our spiritual walk. If you are bored of hearing the gospel, you have never heard the gospel. It's a quote by John Piper. You were once dead in your sins and your trespasses, and now you are alive in Christ. And the gospel isn't just for unbelievers. It's for us as believers to be encouraged in it. I don't know about you, but I continue to sin. I continue to mess up. I continue to fall short of the glory of God. 
Maybe you've heard the argument, if we can lose our salvation or not. Cody Bachman has this quote. He says, if you could lose your salvation, you would. We're not good people. How prideful do we have to think that if it's possible to lose our salvation, that we are able to keep it? I know what goes on inside my mind. I know the evil thoughts that I have. I know the sins that I struggle with. We are secure and we are saved in Christ. It doesn't mean that we stop following the law. The law is from God. Verse 26, we are all sons of God. And if sons, we are heirs to the promise. Remember, he's referencing the promise that God made to Abraham. We're full members of the promise. If we're Jew or if we're Gentile, if we're religious or if we're not, if we have a different skin color, if we talk a different language, if we have a different denomination, it does, our denomination does not save us. Jesus saves us. And I love the text how it says we're full members of the promise. We don't just get part of God. We get all of God. Verse 27, we were baptized into Christ. He uses this illustration. Remember in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize some of you guys because right now you guys are acting like fools with your poor theology. Even though you have Christ, you can't lose your salvation. But right now there's this idea of very, very poor theology going on inside these different churches. And he says, remember when you were baptized? Remember what that illustrated let me just pause right here for a moment of housekeeping. If you have not been baptized, baptism is your first step of obedience in following Christ. Baptism does not save you, okay? Baptism is, there would be other false prophets and teachers that would tell you that you have to uh, do, be baptized, or you have to speak in tongues, or you have to fill in the blank in order to be saved. No, it is Christ who saves us. But he says, as you were baptized, you put on Christ. And if you don't know, a baptism service is almost as if it's a funeral for our old life. We are once dead in our sins and our trespasses. So we have been buried with Christ as we go into water. We're picturing this. We're demonstrating this. And we have risen to walk in the newness of life. And he says, dude, you're still underwater. You've been baptized, but you have not given up your own life to follow Christ. There is a new life that's here. You've died with Christ in baptism, and now you walk in the newness of life. We have put on Christ, and we have died to ourselves. As Christians, what we need to do, and we will struggle until Christ comes with this. As Christians, what we have to do is die to ourselves daily so that some might come to a relationship with Jesus I don't want to get in the way of someone else's salvation because I tell them that they have to do this or do that I want them to experience Christ and allow Christ to convict them of their sin and allow Christ to save them of their sin 
Verse 28, we were all one in Christ. He says, we're not Jew, we're not Gentile, we're not male, we're not female, we're not a slave, we're not free. Now, there are some people that could read this and they could take it extremely out of context and they could tell you that there's no such thing or as a male or female. You look at this text, see what this text says. That's not what it means. It says, even though we are male and female, we are both in equal standing before Christ. Even though there's some religious and unreligious, we are both in equal standing before Christ. Even though there are some who are bosses and some who are employees, we both have equal standing before Christ. Because it's nothing that we do that puts us in better standing before Christ. It is Jesus who reveals himself to us. And in verse 29, he says, if you are Christ, if you are a Christian, this is the change of conversation in the book of Galatians. This text right here, this phrase, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and then you are heirs according to the promise from Abraham. If you're in Christ, it's not your gender, it's not your religious habits, it's not in what you do for a living, Your identity is not in who you are. Your identity is in who he is. It would be on the screen. Our identity is not found in who we are, but in who he is. Maybe this morning, there's no conviction of sin. But there's conviction right now as the gospel shared with you. Would you give your life to Jesus? Would you die to yourself to live for Christ? Is there remorse when you sin? Is there conviction when you sin? Are you okay with it? And you just go on because God will forgive us. He says, certainly not. I'm going to ask the band to come forward this morning. Maybe this morning as we have a time of invitation... These steps can be made your altar before God. And if you are a Christian, maybe your commitment is to follow and to delight in the law of God more. God, I want you. I crave you. I desire you. I want to be connected to you. I want to get involved in, in what God's doing through Gila Valley. I want to go to Bible study. I want to go to the women's Bible study. I want to go to Sunday school. I want to do all of these things because I can't have enough of you. But the guardian is no longer here. The guardian is not what saves us. The babysitter is not what saved us. It is Christ who saved us. And Jesus is coming home. And the question is, will you cry out to God when he gets here? And say, God, I'm so happy that you're home. Because you delight in him. Or will you say, hey, I no longer have to follow the law because you are here. Maybe this morning you want to be broken from the chains of bondage of your sin. Would you find freedom in the gospel and the fulfillment of Jesus Christ for your salvation this morning? Stand and sing songs of praise with us.